and welcome to the Book of Blues podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. I don't know why I said you're so differently there, but hello, I am Cara. Welcome to the Book of Blues podcast. It is lovely to have you here. If you're a new listener, hello, and I hope you enjoy. Don't forget to check out some other episodes. And if you are a regular listener, how are you doing? Welcome back. Thank you for being here. This episode, of course, we're going to be chatting to Geraldine and Taz from The Useless Project, who were formerly Sustainable Fashion Dublin, basically an Instagram account that these two women set up and started hosting events like swap shops and just sharing really fun, knowledgeable but also entertaining content online in the best way. They're just, they're they're people who their personalities shine through their work and that is what makes them really amazing. And they just know how to make really dark kind of difficult topics more digestible or easy to understand and they do it in a really really good way so if you haven't heard of them I really would recommend giving them a follow on Instagram or Facebook and checking out their website the the useless project because it's good to learn things but I understand that it can be quite difficult to do that and not have your mental health kind of be affected or not feel burnout and they they just they're just really good at sharing information. I'm just so happy that they're finally on the podcast. Okay, so I'll let them I'll let them do the rest of the talking, but of course, I do want to quickly acknowledge that this is a huge time for the world right now. Of course, for anyone listening in the future, this is recorded in November 2020 and This, in the past week, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have been elected the next president, vice president of the United States, which in regards to the climate is really, really good. And if you're a woman, oh my God, amazing. Seeing yourself represented is really important. It's not something that I actually learned about until recently. So it's so good to have a woman in a position of power like that who stands for goodness and kindness and also science. And Joe isn't 100% perfect. The whole system is broken, but he is definitely a step in the right direction. But of course, the whole world, Ireland included, is very divided at the moment. And I guess the only way we can move forward with each other is to listen to each other and talk to each other. And sometimes that's really hard because you need to listen to things that you absolutely do not agree with at all. But it's when you listen to viewpoints and then you respond with your viewpoint and get dialogue going, that's when we can see change. So, you know, run to the rescue with love, as Joaquin Phoenix's brother, River, said, and peace will follow. So no matter what's going on, what kind of comebacks there are, there are also upset people out there. But yeah. Let's all be compassionate and kind to each other, even people who think completely opposite to us, even people who think climate change is not real. If we put up barricades, there's just there's never going to be a dialogue and we won't see change. That's really all I wanted to say. I need to rem- I'm saying this to remind myself of it as well. It feels good to have those conversations. It's so tiring sometimes and you can experience burnout, but it's better to have them than to not. Now, Anyway, before I start waffling more and get really political, let me leave it there. And I just want to say I love you guys and I hope you're all doing okay. And yes, here is Geraldine and Taz. 
And if you're someone who is able to support this podcast, please do. Thank you so much to people who are already supporting on Patreon and have supported me on buymeacoffee.com. Those links are on the website, bookofleespodcast.com, if you would like to contribute there. So, (laughs) what a time to be alive. Here is Geraldine and Taz from The Useless Project. I hope you enjoy this conversation and I'll catch you after for some very 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 quick show notes I promise Taz and Geraldine thank you so much for joining me for the book of Lee's podcast it is so so lovely to finally talk to you guys I'm so excited thank you oh gosh what an honor to be here I've been listening to the book of Lee's watch you all throughout lockdown so it does feel, I feel a little bit starstruck to be uh, actually featuring on it. Oh, what a buzz. That's hilarious because I'm like, I feel starstruck. I have like the original Sustainable Fashion Dublin girls that are now the useless project on. So, okay, everyone's starstruck. It's great. We have a little three-way starstruck. <laughs> Um, like, no you hang up no you hang up <laughs> um but Kabir I know uh you guys have told your story about like how you met each other and how you started the kind of sustainable fashion journey but I want to get to know each of you a little bit in regards to like where you grew up and if your families were eco-conscious or what you were like as kids if you were as aware so Taz if you want to start like where did you grow up and what was your family like yeah so way? I actually grew up in a little village called Multifarnham now we didn't move there until I was 10 I grew up in Dunboyne until I was 10 but Multifarnham is definitely my home and we live in the middle of nowhere up a little lane with grass growing in the middle of it and my parents in particular my mom would have always been like quite frugal but in a creative way like she'd always be up for upcycling things rather than buying new all the time like I remember her getting things from the side of the road and bringing them home and upcycling them like I remember in our childhood bedrooms as each of our headboards like just nailed above our beds we had these massive big chunks of styrofoam that she found on the side of the road and styrofoam is also is obviously really really bad for the planet like this thick of styrofoam like you know like half a foot thick and massive the size of a double bed behind our beds and she covered it in cloth and painted it and we used that as like a cork board and that was like one of the only one of the examples so we were always kind of around creativity and I don't even think it was sustainably minded it was just more so using what was already there to upcycle and similarly my dad is a bit of a handyman he's a mechanic but also kind of like did a bit of carpentry here and there so you know if I ever wanted something like I remember um teddy bears were the big thing in my school like the teddy bear factory and like the wardrobes and the beds and stuff used to cost a fortune so and um, my dad and I in his work shed used to build them from like leftover wood from pallets or whatever so I was kind of always around creativity and using what was already there to create something so I don't even think I can say I grew up in like a sustainable intentionally sustainable household but I definitely grew up around that um, and then when I moved to Dublin to go to college um, like any poor student, I was really, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to keep up to date in fashion. I'm really, really into clothing and fashion, but I couldn't afford to go to the high street or whatever. So um, I fell in love with charity shops that way and the individuality and how you could find things in charity shops that no one else would have. Like, I even remember when I first went to Dublin, I went to DIT Angel Street and like walking in and seeing everybody in skinny jeans and white Converse and white T-shirts and being like, why does everybody want to look the same? This is so bizarre. Like it was just a uniform. And then come winter, the puffer jackets would come out. You know, it was like this uniform throughout the whole campus. And I remember thinking, what the hell? So how I kind of rebelled against that was going charity shopping. 
Um, so yeah, I suppose I always have been sustainable, even if I haven't done so intentionally. Yeah, yeah. Now you wouldn't be the first on the podcast to that kind of happened that it was more like it started out of kind of necessity before you were as aware of the environment. Like my family would have been very kind of similar, like helping without realizing how they were. Uh, what about yourself, Jerry? Were you the same? Yeah. Well, I mean, whilst Taz, I think was always like very wholesome and like somewhat sustainable without necessarily meaning to be my family are not sustainable or at least weren't so I grew up in a family of five girls and my mom and my dad so um you can imagine all these girls big into fashion but we're kind of definitely like just consuming mindlessly I suppose and I would have always been the arty farty I'm number four in the five girls and so I loved like arts and crafts and like that kind of side of thing but then as I got older I got like into I suppose kind of storytelling and uh, writing was my big thing and I ended up writing for um, Image Magazine, which I mean, the irony of that, because, you know, the whole raison d'etre of Image is promoting consumerism. And um, it was kind of through the like the storytelling side of things and and the writing and the fashion, I really got into charity shops, but it wasn't necessarily, again, out of sustainability. It was like, I loved, like, what is the story behind who owned this before me? And like, you know, pass on the memories and like very much sentimental about it. And uh, then it was when I was working uh, for Image, I was kind of learning lots about the industry itself, fast fashion. And, you know, it was whilst I had a tab open and the other thing, you know, ordering my Zara this or whatever other high street shop um, kind of haul every other week, I suppose, really, um, if I'm being totally honest about it. And then it was at the same time writing about it, like, here are some other kind of like sustainable options and not really having a huge amount of interest. But then I suppose just realizing that how negative the, the fast fashion industry is um, through writing about maybe like sustainable options, but also then the, the dark side of fast fashion. And then it was kind of putting that all together. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be part of it anymore. And uh, I could then obviously met Taz and very thankfully, and we got into sustainable fashion. <laughs> but um, from the yeah. side of my family, like they they never were necessarily, they just didn't realize it. I'm, like, it's like so many people out there that they're, you know, very good intentions and they, you know, they're good people, but they just didn't realize the, the environmental impact of their actions, myself included. Um, so since I've gone hell for leather into sustainability, they've they really joined me on the journey and they're really open to changing, which is great. Oh, that's fab. And what about like the colleagues? that you would have left behind an image like do you still talk to any of them do you think there's like oh my god look at her she's trying to take us down from the inside or you know (laughs) not at all to be honest I feel like there was a lot of people in image that were actually ahead of me like they were kind of more so embracing sustainability or like even like recycling and you know or like sustainable fashion but I suppose for me I didn't have the money to you know because a lot of sustainable brands are actually quite expensive so maybe people on the team might have and they were kind of buying these like high-end brands that I just felt like was really inaccessible so um I just felt like it wasn't for me and uh because I I couldn't afford it necessarily but then I realized actually sustainability doesn't have to be a hundred euro organic cotton shirt it can be just buying something from charity shop and that's where that's what appealed Uh, to me that's cool and I like the what you said about charity shops as well something that it actually took me a while to get over because I believe in ghosts sometimes I used to freak myself out thinking like oh my God, what if I buy this thing and like the person who would own, like used to <laughs> own it is going to haunt me. Oh what my God, I love like, what that. I do with it. But I had to get over that and be like, Cara, come on, it's ghosts or just, you know, 
save the planet and buying charity shops so I get over it and now I try to think of it in like a positive way being like maybe they really liked this jumper and they want me to wear it you know yeah. I love that idea it's like taking yeah. on the personality of whoever used to own it you know like when you hear people getting transplants and they yeah yeah like, yeah like, crew those uh, characteristics that's so funny exactly yeah so no charity shops are amazing and I love how they've become less of like there's less kind of snobbery around them yeah. a little bit and you know there's like it's becoming more of a young people thing now because older people would shop in them so yeah no charity shops are fab so you guys you set up sustainable fashion dublin you just it blew up you and i know it's 100 percent down to your personalities like the way that you talk about sustainability is just so entertaining and digestible you know because sometimes you can just you can get stuck in like a little sad echo hole and it can be a bit too much but you guys you really make it fun for people which I think is why you became so popular and you have this amazing community of people that follow you and you set up all these like swap shops and workshops and everything and it was just you were on fire and it was fab but then of course lockdown hit and and you couldn't do what I think what you guys work best in is you're like your people people so probably missed out like loads or I don't know how was that for you how did lockdown affect you guys I guess personally but also for sustainable fashion Dublin well I suppose like personally from the get-go um I moved back to Mullingar, back to Multifar and I'm in Geraldine, stayed in Dublin. So we went from seeing each other for six hours a day, seven days a week to not seeing each other for months on end. So kind of from the very, from the, like the base level of what we do, which is very much together, we run it as a unit, having to move our own business to Zoom in terms of like our business meetings and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, like from the get go was extremely difficult and challenging. But then obviously Sustainable Fashion Dublin was essentially an events collective. So um, that obviously wasn't going to fly anymore. Tricky. Tricky. So we shifted, we shifted a bit like of so many amazing businesses and small companies and startups out there that have kind of found themselves in a bit of a rut with this. We tried to figure out how we could switch. So we firstly started a Patreon because we actually, luckily, as you said there, Cara, our community is, is really the most amazing part of Sustainable Fashion Dublin then and now the useless project. And we were hearing a lot from those guys once lockdown hit that number one, they were missing our events, but number two, they wanted to support us in whatever way they could. And that was really lovely. And um, because they could understand that, you know, our means of income was now gone. So we set up a Patreon and we put up kind of content every single day on the Patreon exclusive tutorials and interviews and updates and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of our first protocol was the Patreon. So that was kind of nice as a first step. Yeah, yeah. And then I suppose we kind of tried to merge a lot of our stuff that we were doing IRL online. So like our, our flea markets, we had a monthly flea market in the Workman's Club in Dublin and we brought that online. So we still do a monthly virtual flea market, which has gone really, really well. And it's as well, like, I mean, as you already said, like, you know, community really was what kind of charged us to keep going. And, and like, you know, you've mentioned, and I think it's kind of the whole reason behind our, our new name is like, you know, people feel useless. It's so easy to feel useless and down in the face of these like huge global issues. Um, but it was our community that really kind of spurred us to keep going. So um, we loved supporting them with our flea markets and whatnot. So it was, to be honest, like it was so tough when all the events just kind of like there was a massive like shutdown on everything there was like an hour that we went yeah, out for lunch the on, day like, before lockdown. the day before lockdown and within an hour it was just email email it was just like bing 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 bing, bing. and like the subject line and everyone was in capital letters cancelled 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 and it was literally like bing 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 and we had about 40 events workshops webinars cancelled yeah. in about 20 minutes and we were like oh god <laughs> this might be serious 
so yeah, it was, I suppose, like a case of like, you know, we really, we were, you know, ready and charged to go. And we had such big plans, such big plans for this summer. Like this was going to be our summer, summer 2020, 2020, 2020, It was going to be our summer and obviously everything got covered. But, you know, it's a case of, it really has been like a, a test to, you know, what it is that we do. And I think if anything was going to break us, it was going to be this year and it hasn't. So Onwards and yes. upwards. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this face. Oh. No, it's amazing. You guys really pulled through and your flea markets were such a good idea. Like instead of, you know, setting up in Workman's or whatever, people would just buy directly from the artists and all. So it worked just as well. Um, so yeah, the Uses project then was, I guess, born out of lockdown. So what was the whole idea behind the brand renaming and, and changing there? And what's the kind of difference, I guess, between what you were doing before? Yeah, well, I suppose like when we started up Sustainable Fashion Dublin, not the catchiest name in the world, you might agree, <laughs> but it was it was very much a does what it says in the tin kind of so thing. So our very first event was the was a charity shop crawl. And like, this is like <laughs> yeah. our very first event. Jeremy and I didn't even know each other at this stage. Like, I was we, calling her Kaz. She was calling me Kaz. <laughs> and like, we didn't know each other at all. But for our first ever event that was called, that was a charity shop crawl, we tried to get a hashtag going that was... <laughs> Sustainable Fashion Dublin Charity Shop Crawl. And it they were like, like three lines like, on the hashtag. It couldn't have been less catchy. But anyway, God love <laughs> us. We had lots of enthusiasm and, and we you know, set off on our merry way. You tried. You yeah, tried. we tried. Yeah. But um, I suppose, yeah, we started off here just like Sustainable Fashion Dublin, you know, does what it says in the sin. And then um, things grew. And we, whilst we started off with just looking at fashion, um, we, I think it's like we always say that it's almost like sustainable fashion is like the gateway drug into sustainability. And that's very much what we found. You know, once you start, it's kind of like you can't stop. And it kind of opens your eyes to loads of other areas of sustainability. It seems a little bit kind of, what's the word, like, uh, like there's no point in just looking at one aspect of sustainability if you're going to get into it you might as well see all the different areas where you can um be that little bit more sustainable or a little bit more positive yeah. with your habits so that was one kind of as we were growing we we're like god the name sustainable fashion dublin just doesn't feel really relevant as, as well we were kind of moving beyond dublin and obviously next up on the agenda is world domination so dublin wasn't very relevant <laughs> sustainable fashion world just doesn't yeah. have the same ring to it. Yeah. Pinky in the brain yeah <laughs> definitely so we were trying to think of different names and we were like oh god like you know we had actually god love us again well me was my idea was I think sustain a buzzers thank be to god we didn't go with that idea but we were kind of thinking about different like you know what are we feeling how do we want to be you know seen and also the word sustainability is almost losing its meaning right now it's one of these buzzwords that everyone's like sustainability sustainability you know greenwashing and yeah essentially it was kind of like the the problem and the solution and so far as people are feeling useless we're feeling useless you know it's so easy to feel that way but actually what it comes down to is just people using less people tweaking their consumer habits people thinking about the connection between their habits and the world around us at large so um that's where the name came amazing and it is the kind of core i guess of the uses project at the moment is this um, like online community that you are now building like you've got a website so what is what's on the website what can people find there so basically the whole thing with the website as well so the website was um launched in association or alongside the rebrand it was all one kind of big launch and the reason that we formed the website we built the website was multiple reasons but number one is that we really want sustainability or this movement to be accessible to everyone that is that is like the name aim of our game is to make it accessible to everyone and we were we were cutting out a huge portion of the population by only being on Instagram. That is where we primarily work. But, you know, a lot of people, both young and old, in particular old, aren't on Instagram and they shouldn't be left out of this movement because they're not fitting into that certain age demographic. So we wanted to make sure it was accessible to everyone. And therefore, we wanted to put the information we were putting up on Instagram 
on our website in an easy, accessible way that you can actually, you know, you can find it easily because Instagram can be hard to navigate. So even, you know, the simple things on the website, like we have a search bar where somebody can search vegan or zero free or whatever. It just makes it easier for people um, to try to engage with this whole sustainability movement. So that was one reason. And I suppose to try to legitimize what we do as well, because as um, I kind of mentioned there, Jurley and I, like we started Sustainable Fashion Dublin on a whim. Like it wasn't like, let's start this company, make their full-time jobs and then take over the world. Like we set it up to run a charity shop crawl as a bit of crack. The same hour that we met, we set up Sustainable Fashion Dublin, which is just bizarre. So it just grew legs and it was just kind of turned into an Instagram community and an Instagram thing before we really had a chance to question whether we wanted it to be that or not. So to just to try to legitimize what we do and just have kind of a basis for all of our information. Cool. And on the website, people can find like guest articles from like various writers and stuff on loads of different topics like food and and um, activism and all this sort of things. You also have a community forum. People can ask questions and stuff. Like I was having a little gander this morning. So it's kind of like people can post in their own little questions and anyone involved can can answer for them which is like yeah that's good for people who are trying to not be on Instagram especially with the whole with the new social dilemma Um, (laughs) the documentary recently loads of people are going to probably start cutting down on social media Um, so it's really it is would you like to be our marketing manager I feel like you're you're great at promoting (laughs) exactly what's on our website (laughs) you're better than we are I should start doing PR for people oh my god Um, but no it's it's fab it's so lovely but another way you guys I guess spread the sustainable messages with talks and workshops I know I know I saw you did a couple of them over lockdown have they kind of started coming back for you now like all the different talks that you do yeah yeah it's great so like yeah we would have done loads of talks and workshops at schools and businesses pre-covid and then again just try to merge it all online which it's it's going great and like we're getting good feedback from the people you know and the brands and whatnot that we're doing with but for us we find it so hard because like we love the idea of going into businesses and you know and really connecting with people and like having the you know having the crack and whatnot and we like cracker jokes and we can kind of gauge as well the crowd because sometimes you might be going to like you know maybe it's like a law firm and they're doing something like corporate wellness or sustainability or you know that kind of stuff cs or and we're also going to school so we can kind of gauge the crowd and see what jokes might work or what things we can say and maybe what's a bit too risky or whatever not that we're saying a lot of risky stuff like it's sustainability at the end of the day and the kinds of tree everybody strip yeah exactly (laughs) but at the same time you know that yourself but like it's so hard because like we're doing these talks and like you know we're trying to crack the same jokes have they you know and create a fun atmosphere for the people watching but like we're talking essentially to a blank wall, you know, we're getting zero feedback. So it is a little bit tricky. And it's definitely, I think, if anything was going to be character building, it's it's doing those workshops one after another after another to a blank screen. Um, but at the same time, it's great because we're still getting the message out there, still continuing our work, um, but just virtually. Yeah, cool. But people can get in touch with you. And I was going to ask as well, have you done any hen parties yet? Because the kind of stuff that you do, like... You should absolutely, if I was having a hen, I'd be like, oh my God, I'd love to do like a little tote bag workshop or something. Like, I think we did think about that before because um, we would do like birthday parties and stuff. Yeah, so there was a bit, a little bit of a element of that, but we actually hadn't done a um, hen party. But no, like, obviously birthdays. now it's just that little bit harder, but hopefully we'll be able to kind of open stuff up again in the, in the yeah, next couple of months. Exactly. There could be sustainable willy themed upcycling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sustainable willies, dreams come true. <laughs> oh my God, you heard it here first, people. Sustainable willies, trademark that. ASAP. Um, Made from hemp. I mean, <laughs> once you. <laughs> 
Reduce, reuse, recycle. Sorry. Okay, continue. That's okay. Um, there's so there's so many things uh, that you guys cover like you said you branched away from fashion like you know so much about food and just practical things about upcycling and stuff um, so you're you're great you are like really good people to follow so I didn't want to because I could in episodes hone in on like one specific area but there's just kind of there's just so much in food and in fashion and waste in general that like we'd be here for hours if you wanted to talk about the whole thing plus then people wouldn't need to get you for your workshop so, so <laughs> if we could just maybe individually give some like general tips as to like what your favorite things are that you can do anyone can do no matter who you are for like treading lightlier on the planet in regards to fashion or food like what your personal each your, your personal favorite things are yeah so I might talk a little bit about food sustainability yeah. and you might take yeah. a little bit on sustainable fashion so the number one way that we can reduce our carbon impact, impact on the planet, our carbon impact, our water p- impact and our energy impact on the planet is the choices that we make around food. So that is the way in which we buy food, the way in which we consume food, the way in which we dispose of food. Um, the number one way that we can reduce our carbon impact on the planet. And it's extremely accessible. It's a very doable thing to do. So a couple of kind of like top tips um, that I would say or both of us would say is like, just try to cut down on your food waste at all possible. One third of all food that's produced goes to waste. One third of all food. So huge amounts of resources go into producing that food that is then going to waste. So we always use the example of like the Amazon rainforest that's being chopped down. So say like it's being chopped down for oil plantations, for palm oil plantations. You have to imagine the deforestation, the orangutans going um, extinct, et cetera, et cetera. All of this being done so we can have palm oil. If one third of that is wasted, then one third of that damage is all done in vain. So if we can chop down on that one third, it can make a huge impact because that's just wasted food. It's not even it's not even damaged so that we can eat food and get nutrients from it. It's completely wasted. So to cut down on your food waste, there's loads of top tips. You know, try to batch cook where possible. Become friends with your freezer. Take note of what's in your fridge before going out and doing another shop. Like a couple of ideas of like having a list on your door of what's in the fridge so you don't go out and buy more apples and you've got apples in there. Also, learn how to actually store stuff in a fridge so take for example the fridge door is actually the warmest part of the whole fridge so if you're putting your milk in the fridge which is probably the most perishable item that you have that is the hottest place it can be so it's going to go off quicker top tip like that as well and then also try to yeah then also try to repurpose your scraps so you know if you have little bits of bread left over that are gone stale make croutons or from vegetable peels you know vegetable peels we have decided are waste but they're part of the vegetable I don't know why it's not food waste it's food itself you know we have just decided that a carrot peel isn't food or an onion peel isn't food or a banana peel isn't food when the whole thing is food we've just decided that the outside is waste so try to look up different kind of top tips on how to repurpose those things like trying to make a stock out of scraps one of my favorite things to do and I cut down on so much food waste by doing so is making a vegetable stock every few weeks so I have a big lunchbox that I keep in my freezer and anytime I peel a carrot, crush a clove of garlic, you know, take the stalk off, you know, a bit of cauliflower, broccoli or whatever it may be. I put those vegetable ends, potato skins, etc. into that box in the freezer. Once that box is full, I boil them all up and make vegetable stock. And then that vegetable stock can be frozen. It can go into a whole host of things. But you're sucking everything out of that vegetable, all those peels and um, all that stuff that would go to waste. So that's kind of a top tip for vegetable stock. And um, what are the top tips for food? Eating seasonally. 
Seasonally. seasonally. Um, so I know ne- I only heard this in the last like say five months, and that's by eating seasonally. That's like the easiest way you can reduce your carbon footprint when it comes to food. Well, sorry, probably after waste. I feel like I've just completely contradicted what you just said. But <laughs> sorry. Um, but essentially, eating seasonally is really, really important. Okay, so I would have always thought that, you know, say getting an Irish tomato is definitely, um, you know, a more sustainable option than getting uh, avocado that, you know, presumably has been grown in the likes of Peru, has, you know, avocados take a huge amount of water to grow. There's all those kind of um, social impacts as well with the avocado growth of late. Um, and then, you know, transporting so far to get to us. Um, you'd, you'd expect that the avocado would have a high, far higher carbon footprint than the tomato if it's grown in Ireland. But it all comes down to seasons. And by eating seasonally, you um, make sure that, sorry, but so if you eat a tomato, I'm describing this terribly. I'm so sorry to the listener and I'm getting all this waffle from me. Essentially, if you eat a tomato that is grown in season, it means that it's grown naturally and doesn't have to be grown in a greenhouse. Greenhouses use a huge amount of um, energy to to heat up and to grow the tomato successfully. So by eating in season, you take away all that. Um, so eating seasonally and eating locally is really good. Also, what's really important is where it all possible. Well done, G. Um, where it all possible, try to eat organic. Now, I know organic is has all these connotations that it's airy-fairy, wishy-washy, peace and love. You have to wear tie-dye if you're going to eat organic food. But the reality is that organic food is being produced in a way that it's not using chemicals. So the chemicals that are being sprayed on all food that that doesn't specify organic is getting into our soil. It's degrading our soil. Once our soil gets degraded so much, soil erosion happens. When soil erosion happens, no food can be grown on that soil. And soil erosion is spreading across the globe right now because we are spraying so much pesticides and fertilizers into our soil pesticides and fertilizers that are being sprayed not only affect the soil but affect all the widespread plants and biodiversity in the area so one of the most harmful pesticides oh sorry it's not a pesticide it's a herbicide it's called glyphosate it's a it's like roundup it's a it's an active ingredient in many weed killers main one being um roundup which is like sprayed on play areas and yeah, green they areas use it here and, everywhere yeah. Yeah. everywhere yeah. um it's the, the mode of action it's basically sprayed on loads of crops and then those droplets spread and kill wildflower and hedgerows where you know there's huge amounts of biodiversity living and obviously we're we are in the midst of a biodiversity crisis right now and that's all being linked back to these chemicals that are being sprayed on our food so if you can go organic if you are in a position of privilege and you can go organic, it's really important that we do so so that we can reduce the cost of it and make it more accessible to those who can't afford it currently. Yeah. I mean, I suppose when it comes to fashion. Um, yes, please. Uh, that's a little bit lighter because it's it's so easy to be sustainable with your fashion choices. Literally, it comes down to just going secondhand is the, is the best way. Because again, when you think of all the you know resources and energy and time and you know packaging even that goes into making every item of clothing, um, it, you take away all of that by going secondhand. There's so much clothing in the world right now. Like, I mean, we own a, between 40 and 400% more clothing than our parents did, say, 20 years ago. So we don't need more clothing. There's so much clothing in the world. If we just reused the clothing that's already in circulation, then we'll really be so effective with decreasing this carbon footprint. But so with clothing, um, really kind of elongating the lifespan of clothing is the great, the best way to be sustainable. So it kind of comes down to even like learning the basic tricks and kind of hacks that our grand grandparents really would have really embraced without even realizing that it was necessarily sustainable you know things like just mending so sewing back on a button instead of throwing it in the the bin because it's lost a button or a rip or whatever there's so many easy ways to just elongate the lifespan of clothing and decrease its carbon footprint and and then you know 
like with fashion, the exact same thing applies for homeware. Like, I mean, there's so much like, you know, couches and armchairs and, you know, even like crockery and stuff. People are throwing it away because it's just, um, oh my God, sorry, <laughs> words. Uh, it's just gathering up as clutter. But, you know, it's one man's trash is another man's treasure. So by going to charity shops, not only for clothing, but for homeware as well, you'll really be um, so effective at decreasing your carbon footprint. Yeah, definitely. And you find real unique pieces as well. Oh, yes. oh my so, god like absolute gems like such yeah. higher quality than the kind of stuff you'd find in ikea for you know the same price you just get far better quality um and also like some real statement pieces what are your favorite for each of you what's your favorite secondhand bit either pe- like item or clothing that you have um i think mine would be like i've got like, i've got a pair of dungarees that my mom handed down to me they're lilac dungarees and i've got a Aww. picture of her pregnant with me in the dungarees that i now wear so that's pretty special that is so cool yeah wow. and then like charity shop find i found a max meyer coat last year an orange one that was 30 quid and i found it online for 950 euro oh yeah baby Wow. Um, loads of it like I found a pair of Doc Martens in size 6 that were like brand new for 15 quid about 5 years ago and I still wear them I know oh my god yeah uh, my, what about you Jerry? my favourite second hand piece of clothing is I got this um, it was in a uh, flea market in Melbourne like five years ago and it's um, a Power Rangers t-shirt I actually think it was originally like a seven-year-old boy's pajama top but I just wear it as a top <laughs> and I love it so much and like people always comment on it I've actually worn it to quite a few job interviews and dates and every job interview and date I've worn it to has been successful so um, <laughs> yeah it's a great great success rate and then um, oh I've got this I got a vintage couch and it's like a bright pink velvet vintage couch we call it Pascal and we kind of say it's like a flamboyant Frenchman but um that's probably like my favorite thing that I own right now oh my god wow well they sound so cool that's great and the last thing I want to ask you each is before we go because the useless project is about like you said you can feel so useless sometimes so there can be so much bad stuff going on in the world it can kind of get you down sometimes and when you're you're you know especially if you're being active all the time you're it's just it becomes your life like activism and the environment it's become my life and I love it but it can be hard to deal with so how do you each personally kind of deal with you know when the world just when it's all a bit too much like how do you get through it yeah well I think like we are so incredibly lucky to have each other in all honesty you know when we're doing research into this and we're we're um we're what we're you know we're watching documentaries we're reading blogs we constantly are learning as I'm sure you are and a lot of people are too so we'd be listening to podcasts recommending podcasts to each other all the time but because of that we're kind of both experiencing the same knowledge at the same time so it's nice to be able to express something to somebody because I feel like the whole climate anxiety thing um the worst part about it is speaking to somebody who you feel doesn't get it you know Mm. and like that drives me mad I'm like you don't understand the extremity of this so it is very nice to be around somebody all the time that does understand the extremity of it and it's quite validating so that definitely does help 100 100%. but then also you know trying to act on it is the best thing that you can do if you're feeling in any way anxious about it or if you're feeling doomed go to a charity shop organize a beach clean do something to actually help because even if it's only something small even if it's bringing a friend to a charity shop that's never been to a charity shop you'll, you'll, you'll feel like you are helping and individual actions are going to help but it's so easy to get trapped in that doom but the longer that we get trapped in the doom the less likely we are to organize something and try to pull ourselves out of it so yeah yeah I think as well like our the way we go about it is that 
you know, it's so easy to feel like, oh God, I'm not doing enough and I did something wrong there. And oh my God, you know, and to really, like we always say, like connect the dots between your actions and the world at large. But then at the certain as well like you know at a certain like point you have to just be like look there's only so much I can do so even like you know I might go and get a coffee and I'm like oh, I forgot my keep cup you know like oh god I'm the worst like I I can't be a sustainability advocate if I'm doing this but it, you know Taz is there to be like ah, look would you calm down like you know we're not Greta Thunberg we're just doing our very best so I think if people bury that in mind it kind of it eases some of that climate anxiety I think and that that feeling of of helplessness or uselessness and whatnot and um, also we actually follow I think is like I've completely changed the people who I follow on social media so like I think curating your feed to not only be you know educational so like we you know we always follow people who will share information so we can stay on top of whatever's going on in the world but also people who are you know similar to us and that like I don't want to be shamed by anyone I'm not going to be shaming anyone if they're not going to be perfect with it but I also don't want people to be doing the same to me so if there is someone who's calling people out in a really negative and unfair way that I'm just not going to follow them like this like there's enough negativity in the world for for that um so just following people who are just trying to be proactive and helpful and mm. encouraging I think is is a great way to again just like fend off some of that negativity and those feelings of hopelessness <laughs> Yeah, and the bad juju. Like, bad juju. Bad juju. No thanks. It's, yeah. <laughs> <Nuh-uh>. <laughs> it's really nice. That's why it's, I've got some friends that hate Instagram and I'm like, I don't think you follow the right people. Yeah, yeah completely I agree. love Instagram like because it's just such a positive... For me, it's so positive because of all the people I follow. And of course, you, there's like a lot of doom and gloom because of the environment and politics and whatnot. But I'll, But it's... I really enjoy learning like I just I love to learn so those are really useful tips thank you guys so much I unless there's anything else you guys want to cover or plug I know people can follow you on Instagram and they can keep up to date with your flea markets there and schools or people or hen parties possibly yeah, <laughs> down the line for, if you're getting married you yeah. so. heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> that they can get in touch with you and I hope I hope I hope in the not too near distant future we will have like no. in-person okay. events yes like there is nothing that I just want more I miss gigs I miss sing-along social oh, I know. I know. karaoke there's just so many things um but yeah thank you guys so much and thank you for doing what you guys do you bring sustainability to so many people and you make it really really accessible and fun oh well, thank, thank you so, so much Kira. Yeah, and like yeah, honestly yeah. big fans yeah. of uh of the podcast so just delighted to be here and yeah you're also fighting the good fight you know you hang up all over again <laughs> All right, that was Geraldine and Taz. I hope you guys got a leaf or several from that book. I, for one, had no idea that your fridge door is the warmest part of the fridge, but obviously that makes sense and that's where you shouldn't leave your most perishable items. So that's one leaf I'll be taking. But of course, you can pick and choose or take it all. So thank you again to Geraldine and Taz for your time. And I really enjoyed chatting to them and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to them. If you want to know more about this sustainable fashion check out my podcast with Fiona from all things Fiona Lily and Avian McCann episode two we talk a bit about sustainable fashion and food and if you're into the food side of things more definitely check out I think it's episode eight or seven with Simone Tizo and also Plant Proof this podcast run by Simon Hale 
episode 110 or there around. He has an amazing podcast on food sustainability. It's all full of science and facts and I will link this in the show notes because I definitely recommend that everyone on the planet listens to that if you're interested in sustainability at all but especially around food and what you're eating. And I think that's really it. Geraldine and Taz talked about everything else. If you like this podcast, please, please do. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate it, review and rate it, please. Someone's setting off fireworks. Can you hear that? Oh my God. Halloween was a week ago, you guys. Oh, happy belated Halloween. I hope you guys had a lovely Halloween. And I hope you're having a lovely, I nearly said an okay November because I'm trying to be like realistic of what's going on. But no, you can still have a lovely November. I hope you do have a lovely November. Please, if you can, support this podcast on Patreon or buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves. On Patreon, you will get monthly updates of what's going on in behind the scenes of the podcast, but also in my life. Did you hear that firework? I have fireworks at the end of my podcast episode. Oh my God, so exciting. But yeah, that's really it. The girls talked about everything else. So go, make sure you go follow them. Keep an eye out on their pages for upcoming markets and talks and check out their online flea markets as well, which they run on their Instagram stories. Yeah, that's it. That is the end of episode 39. I will see you in two weeks time. And don't forget to check out some other episodes if this is your first podcast love you all talk to you in two weeks time bye